Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to the Happily Ever After podcast. I'm your host Shabir and this is a podcast dedicated to everything related to marriage and relationships in Islam. Uh, today we have um, a very special uh, guest uh, as well as a very interesting topic um, as well. Uh, he is the author of the Handbook of a Healthy Muslim Marriage. Um, we have with us today uh, Dr. Abdurrahman Mangera. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Sheikh. warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. How are you doing? Be with you, alhamdulillah. This alhamdulillah. Be with you. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And um, we mentioned the book. I'm going to actually just quickly start with that. I've got the copy with me here. Um, alhamdulillah. It's uh, for those of you who aren't aware. Um, Sheikh, actually, when did you when did you first publish this book? Uh, this was in, I think, September 2019, so just one ah. and a half years ago. Yeah. Okay, so it's a good one and a half years ago. Um, I actually got my hands on the book uh, a good year ago, and uh, it definitely is uh, an amazing read, something very contemporary, I would say, um, and it covers many aspects of marriage, even before, during, after, family planning, etc. So do get your hands on this, uh, Handbook of a Healthy Muslim Marriage. And in fact, within the book, there is a section uh, on the topic that we're going to be discussing today, which is uh, intimacy uh, in marriage. Um, and that is our topic for today. Something which I'm sure uh, Sheikh would agree that, um, you know, maybe isn't spoken about enough. And, you know, Sheikh, I, personally for me, I would say that um, there's, there's perhaps two extremes in this. One is um, that, you know, we're, we're extremely, we could say, reserved and awkward about this. Mm -hmm. um, to the extent that it's just not spoken about, you know, growing up, parents never have that conversation. And maybe what ends up happening is um, young Muslims today, they just start learning or taking it from the wrong places, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's maybe one extreme. And then, of course, the other extreme is um, to be extremely, you know, open, lewd, obscene about it, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and having no kind of uh, barriers. So would you agree with that? And why, why are this kind of uh, stage absolutely i mean bismillahir rahmanir rahim alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala sayyidil mursaleen wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in so yeah i think there's definitely two extremes um about parents teaching you the subject um i know that's going to be a bit difficult as well uh, of course they ha they should facilitate it at least uh, get something for you to read or i mean i guess today everybody knows about it anyway it's more about the parents guiding the person to say that this is important and especially yeah, when yeah. we get into the discussion the boys and the girls the the differences between them that there's a massive difference so yes definitely people need guidance in this regard they can't just do it based on stuff they've seen mm. um, i guess you know and um which makes them as you said the other extreme which is just completely lewd or expecting things which are not really um re realistic yes yeah yeah i guess you know um, one one could ask, so what is what is my starting point? You know, like, okay, I'm maybe looking to get married soon, whatever it may be. Um, it's not a conversation that I can easily just bring up with parents or elders. Um, it's perhaps something that's not maybe spoken about openly. So do I just go on the internet? Do I try and find a book? You know, where do I even uh, begin with this? So what would your advice be? I think from uh, experience with talking to different people, especially when we're researching the book, it looks like a lot of people are getting their f their first-hand information is actually coming from friends 
So when you're about to get married, I mean, you're saying we're doing it normally, like in the Islamic sanction, Islamically sanctioned way, then people will speak to their friends that I'm getting married. And if they're very close, um, their friends will tell them, maybe give them guidance about their experience. But the thing is that your friend's experience is not necessarily going to be the best positive experience. Um, I know one couple, uh, one particular woman who said that a friend of hers who was married, among her friends, uh, she was probably the second to get married. And her friend told her that it's going to be very painful. So she was actually expecting pain. And then after that, uh, she mentions that when we, you know, when it actually happened, it wasn't that bad. So it's just um, a lot of different ideas you get from the wrong people, although the intention may be completely perfect or it may just be their experience. But yeah. I think it is important, especially nowadays, to, uh, to realize because people are a lot more educated about the wrong aspects of intimacy because of uh, the pre prevalence of uh, fornication uh, sorry prevalence of pornography so yeah. i think it's very important to understand really what the reality is and i think in that the most important thing i think is i think the most important thing in this regard i think is that men should understand women and women should understand what tick you know what makes a man tick this is where the one of the biggest hurdles comes in that we humans are selfish so if they're not focused on the other individual that this is actually a mutual act i think if we can just understand that it's a mutual act and it's not just for my pleasure or the woman should not think it's just for his pleasure i can actually get something out of this they will both be happy generally the man is going to do his part the woman is the one who generally gets left behind so then she sometimes just gives up and says okay it's all about him and then she's just suffering because you know you, you uh, everybody needs everybody needs a fulfillment uh, yeah. so i think those are in in broadly speaking the issues i think okay yeah we'll definitely i think touch on some of those issues um but coming back to what we what we're saying about you know this kind of reservation that we may have speaking about it i guess one thing that may uh comfort a lot of muslims is just to know i guess um is this aspect of marriage which is a really important aspect mentioned within the quran within the sunnah what was the prophet sallallahu approach when he addressed his companions did he never mention it was it something they had to learn themselves or was he actually quite open about it so i'm sure if you could share shed some light on you know certain narrations or even verses in the quran that speak about it i think uh, let me start off with uh, you know obviously it's a subject which is not something that people are going to be speaking of off the cuff all the time but there were definitely times when the prophet spoke about it and he was actually very open about it when he did speak about it in a few times and we're talking about open about it in a very respectful sense in a very glorifying sense because one thing we have to realize is that having sexual intercourse in the right way is actually not a bad thing at all i mean it's not a dirty act okay i think let's everybody clarify uh, let everybody get this right that having sexual intercourse between a husband and wife is actually a very, very noble act. That's how people are born. That's how the cycle of life continues. That is exactly how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decided and decreed that pe that the humanity will continue. Prophets, you know, also uh, up, uh, uh, offsprings, um, you know, aside from uh, Isa alayhi salam, Adam alayhi salam, Hawa alayhi salam. So this is a very, very important act. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about it in the Quran. Let me mention a hadith first. There's a hadith in Sahih Muslim. For those who want to know, 1006 is the number. The Prophet ﷺ said, In the sexual act of each of you, there is a charity. Subhanallah. He's calling the sexual act a charity. This dirty thing that people think it's a dirty thing. All right. It's actually 
uh, a charity. So the companion asked, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah Rasulullah, um, how is it a charity? They just can't reconcile that idea. One of you fulfills his sexual desire mm -hmm. and then he's given a reward for that. Like it, you're, it's a, such a, I mean, the, it was reduced to a self, a selfish act which you're getting reward for. How is that? So the Prophet said, if he were, meaning if the individual were to place his desire in something unlawful, meaning do it wrong, you know, in the wrong way, would he not be sinning? Thus, if he fulfills it in something lawful, he will be rewarded. So that's one hadith. Another hadith in the Prophet once came home and uh, he mentioned later, he said that when one of you sees something outside that causes your desire to uh, to increase then come home to your wife and fulfill your desire and that's very open subhanallah that is just so open because he says she has the same as what the person you saw has which means that she's got the same way to fulfill you mm. so um th there's some really open text then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you look at the quran allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says anna come this is a really cloaked way of saying that literally do what you want except the prohibitions as Allah mentions in another part of the Quran that when it comes to menstruation you should avoid you know any penetrative intercourse during menstruation but other than that Allah says come to your field your crop from whichever direction you want so you've got a field come from the back come from the front but in the right passage essentially so it's kind of a cloaked euphemism or uh, a symb symbolic way of saying you know whatever is allowed um, there's numerous hadith like this there's a one of the sahaba came to the prophet and said that the yahud of medina the jews at that time they considered uh, penetration you know uh, proper vaginal penetration um, but from the back, doggy fashion, whatever they call it, uh, in, in you know today, that is not a good idea. Whereas other cultures were doing that, and they used to think that people came out cockeyed or uh, squint with a squint if they did that. So the Prophet sallallahu made it very clear that that's not the case. So we've got numerous things like that that the Prophet sallallahu made the clarification when it was necessary, and there's actually um, a lot more graphic. Uh, narrations as well which Ibn Qudama etc have mentioned right there's a dua mentioned for that act about oh Allah protect me as uh, oh Allah protect me and protect my offspring uh, so Bismillah Allahumma jannibna shaitan wa jannibi shaitana ma razaqtana it's actually a dua that you read at the time this was a dirty act we don't read duas in the toilet you're supposed to read before you go in and after you come out, you don't read inside it because it's a place of shayateen. But here you actually read this dua at the time. In the name of Allah, O oh Allah, distance us from the Satan and distance Satan from what you grant us. So, mashallah, mm. there, there's a lot there. There's a lot there and there's a lot more graphic ones. Maybe we'll discuss those later, inshallah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, 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 it's amazing, amazing to, to, to know to that know. our Prophet he addressed it in this manner, right? And it was done very openly. But like you said, I think the 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 important uh addition there is that it was done in a very respectful manner as well it wasn't just like you said off the cuff just mentioning whatever and the quran does the same uh very kind of universal respectful language when it mentions the word harth as well um and i guess this is something that can be applied to all of the companions even you know you, you could say it's the female companions as well you know where they were able to ask the prophet openly it reminds me of this one hadith that um Umm Salama, she actually narrates. It's not uh, directly about sexual intercourse, but it was Umm Sulaim who came 
to the Prophet and she actually began her uh, statement or her question with, you know, Allah is not shy of the truth, right? Allah is not ashamed of it. And then she asked about if a woman basically uh, sees discharge after uh, experiencing an erotic, you know, wet dream. Mm-hmm. And the Prophet said, yes, you know, she will have to do ghusl. So even in that case, he was able to answer it openly, respectfully. Um, and, you know, I guess one of the lessons we can take is don't be shy when it comes to these things. Uh, you know, when it comes to learning, and if you're sincere about it and you approach it in the right way, then um, don't be shy. Why would you let shyness, um, you know, prevent you from, from seeking knowledge, right? Absolutely. Um, there, there should be no shyness about this. I can understand there's a natural shyness. You know, yeah. judging from the questions that I receive, um, I notice that when there's a discussion about this, when there's a lecture that I've done or something, and then after that, I will get some questions. It looks like people are really confused about this issue. as They're, they're frustrated. There's a lot of women out there who are frustrated. Um, some men, generally men get their way in this, right? Because it's a very selfish act. And they leave the... They Basically, what happens is that they, they take the woman... 50, 60, 70% of the way, and then they finish and they they, they leave the they, they leave the woman wanting. And that's extremely frustrating. I mean, imagine for a man as well that you're taken most of the way, you've you know, you really reached the the the, the height nearly, and then it's like can't carry on anymore. Mm-hmm. And it makes it very, very frustrating and lots of marriage issues. I mean, I've dealt with marriage issues and you know that there's an underlying issue because the the overall discussion they're having are all about small small issues that can't break a marriage and then when you probe deeper and they get a bit comfortable then they start discussing that okay there's a lot of frustration here right whether it's the man saying that she's not willing anymore but then when you find out why she's not willing okay sometimes she's just not willing because there's some other psychological problem but sometimes it's actually because he's never treated her well right that's how it started it never he he considered her he basically did not give her uh, a, a, a respect so he's dehumanized her of all of this time and then at the end of the day that's what he wants so she is just like i don't want this anymore so there, there could be many many reasons for this but um what's really interesting is that i, I don't want to get into this too deeply but sexuality in the west is a relatively new thing i know it's surprising i mean it's an explosion right now right it's okay. like there are no taboos it's like everything is permissible everything goes they may have a few boundaries like in in mainland europe but scandinavia had, doesn't even have those boundaries subhanallah however it's only 1920s and 30s that in fact even then people didn't really understand i mean the female i mean let's be open the female orgasm the understanding of that is much later it's in the 1900s whereas in islam muslims have written on this i mean there's numerous treaties written on this subject by the likes of Ibn Sina, uh, Ibn Qudama, you know, uh, and, and numerous others. I mean, I'll just mention one passage to you, if that's yeah. okay, from Ibn Qudama. Now, Ibn Qudama, he's, uh, he, he died around 1223, uh, which is about 620 Hijri. That's, subhanAllah, that's over, over seven, 800 years, right? That's about 800 years ago. And he's writing this. Right, he's writing this at that time. He says it is preferable, um, it is preferable to enjoy foreplay with his wife before sexual penetration to arouse her desires. Mm. He's gonna have his desires. Said so the men generally do it, but to as a, to arouse her desires so that she receives a similar pleasure to his from the lovemaking. Subhanallah. Mm. 
equality, right? From that time, there's equality here. Uh, he says it's related from Umar ibn Abdul Aziz that the Prophet said, Do not make love to her until she has experienced desire similar to what you have, lest you climax before she does. So then I asked, is that on me to do that? Like, is that my responsibility? You know, that I have to make sure that she gets there as well? He said, yes, you should kiss her, feel her with your hands and touch her. Talzimuha, right? As the Arabic says. And when you feel that she is then aroused as you, then you should make love to her. Then you should finish the act. And then he has something else. And then he continues after. He says, if he finishes before she does, it is undesirable for him to withdraw from her until she finishes too. Based on what is related from Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu, that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said, and this is a hadith related by uh, in the Muslim of Abu Ya'la al-Mawsili, right? The Prophet sallallahu said, when a person makes love to his wife, he should do so well with sincerity, affection, uh, and that essentially means affection, compassion, and love. And if he does fulfill his desire before she fulfills hers, he should wait until she finishes. Also, because it is harmful to her and prevents her from fully fulfilling her desire if he pulls out too early. That's why I've got a friend and his suggestion. I, I mean, I attribute to him. It's a really good advice. He says, don't, don't come yourself. Don't finish yourself until you've allowed her to come twice. Mm. Right now, I know, subhanAllah, I think I mentioned that in another lecture. So I got a call from a guy who's not yet married. I didn't know he's not married. He's saying, okay. you know, you mentioned this in a lecture that she should come twice first. He took it like uh, like the Holy Grail, like, you know, that is a must or something. So it's okay. a suggestion. It's an advice that, you know, she should basically finish twice before. And women can do that. You know, women don't have the same problem as men men takes them a while maybe but for women they can go three four times they have that right because their trajectory is it goes up and then it stays up even after they uh, climax whereas a man he goes up and then he goes up very fast and then he comes down very fast and he has to wait he wants to go to sleep or whatever so that was his suggestion so this guy is calling me and he's saying um, but what happened this, that and that I said, are you married? He said, no, I'm not married I'm getting married in a few weeks I said, you know what? Give me a call then Once you've experienced Then give me a call Don't get too worried about this right now <laughs> Right? Just understand that you need to please her Right? And mm. she needs it And believe me If people do that I mean, the studies show That people are very happy And what that does is That it really improves the life There's a lot of other things It's just psychologically That satisfaction you get It's, it's amazing Yeah, I think... Um... I'm so glad you've touched on that because it's, it's probably, you know, like you said, it, it becomes a huge issue within the marriage itself, mm -hmm. uh, which later on causes problems. Maybe initially you kind of get through it, um, but it's that frustration that that builds over time mm -hmm. uh, where unfortunately men can be selfish, where maybe before they got married, during marriage, still they haven't picked up on the signs. They haven't understood that women are different to them. Um, whereas men can, and it's, it kind of comes back to the hadith. You mentioned that you know the word charity is used, right? There is a sadaqa type of sadaqa in this, and when you kind of reflect on that word charity, it's almost like charity is about giving. It's not just about yeah. taking, right? So for a man's from a man's point of view, it's almost like you should be charitable to your wife in that sense, you know? Yeah, it's it's not. I mean, it's 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 about doing charity. It's also about making somebody happy. I mean, giving somebody satisfaction, removing their frustration, just making them happy in itself is a sadaqah. And that's why it is when when a person is with their wife, if I talk from a man's perspective, 
and or from a woman, so it's the same. Focus on the other person, make them happy. If each of the couple, I think that's one of the secrets that if each, and I'm not a professional here, right? So I'm just mentioning this based on all the research that um, if both of both the couple focus on satisfying the other one more, then that will help them to control their desire and get more out of it. And I think with mm -hmm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed in the human being that if you make somebody happy, it actually makes you happy as well. Yeah. Because uh, subhanAllah, as uh, when you give sadaqah and when you give charity, studies, mainstream studies actually show that that creates one of the greatest senses of accomplishment and happiness in your life. So I think if you reduce it down to the sexual act, it's the same thing. Um, uh. The problem, the problem in this regard is that some men want to do this, but some women are very, very shy. They're not willing to express to the husband what they want. Right. And that's where maybe another subject which we can touch on later uh, whenever you want. But it's yeah. more about having an open relationship and a very frank discussion about what, a, you know, what I would like, what each of the each, each of the couples would like. That's okay. a very important aspect as well. Yeah, no, I, th I think so. I think that is that's something we should definitely discuss because, um, you know, it comes down to, okay, fine, when you first get married, okay, it makes sense. It, you know, you're still getting to know each other. You're going through that uh, initial initial phase. But definitely that conversation is healthy to have, whether it's towards the beginning or further down the line. The man and the woman, the, the man and the wife should be open with each other and confident enough and trust each other enough, right, to actually give if you want to call it feedback that you know yeah. what this is i'd be more comfortable this way or i'm uncomfortable with this or it could be better this way I, and i and i feel like that is perhaps missing from a lot of marriages where it's like never speak about it again you know what happens happens and you just carry on and go and, and, and go the other way so you know i guess you know islamically there's no exact guidance on in terms of there's no strict ruling right on okay it needs to happen this way. It needs to be this this much. No quantities in that sense. But um, what would your just general advice be to couples in terms of bringing this up, which again could be a bit awkward, especially if you've been raised that way to never speak about it. That could stick throughout marriage as well. Yeah, I think it's difficult to generalize about all men and all women. But in general, I think the women is uh, women are going to be shy, especially if they've come from a very religious kind of upbringing to say to the husband that, you know, this is what I want or this is what I really enjoy. So I think there's a few things. I think the number one, the man needs to see what, because you see, this is a very interactive act, right? It's an interaction and you can see what you do is have what effect it's having. having. So check for voice, check for movement, check for expressions on the face, check for sounds. All of those are clues. You have to be really in tune here, right? To, to, to do this. Um, she may be very shy to articulate what she wants. So then ask her what she likes. Do you like this? Do something and say, do you like this? Right? What makes you feel better? What would you like me to do? Check, check all of these movements and everything. Right? Mm. And likewise with the woman on the same, it's like we're making women out to be very, very shy. Sometimes it's actually the guy is very shy. Right? So yeah. it could be both ways. So really, I think if you just think of it in a selfless way with me wanting to give the other person pleasure and make them satisfied, I think that focus in itself, just separating it out from you and saying the other person, that in itself will make a big, big difference, inshallah.
Yeah, yeah. I think, it, you know, like like we're saying is that when it comes to a lot of men, not, not generalizing and saying every single man, but it's almost like men are very kind of goal oriented. They just, you know, they just want to achieve something and, and it's done. And I think for the woman, from the woman's perspective, it's more of, it's more of a experience from beginning to end, you know, from the first moment that you look at the man or you, 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 you touch him. It's from there, even until afterwards as well, where I feel like a lot of men, they're just like, okay, job done kind of thing and I'm off. Whereas a woman wants to spend some time with you now. And, you know, that is, I guess, you know, it, it comes down to this whole thing about the difference between, you know, just having sexual intercourse versus making love, right? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a concept that's spoken about, but even psychologists today and, you know, they, they, they bring this concept, what's the difference between making love and giving love to someone versus yeah. just, I want to just, you know, fulfill my design, that sort. I think what it is, is that people don't, I mean, foreplay is at the forefront of all of this, right? Yeah. Because after that, the main act is done. So foreplay, uh, foreplay people need to understand that talk, can include talking, right? Just having sen a sensual talk, kissing, massaging, touching, hugging, fondling, undressing, petting and so on, right? Men shouldn't actually mistake foreplay to mean groping the sexual parts of a woman in some crude mm. way. Like, yeah. Women don't enjoy that. From the research, it shows that women don't enjoy that. Man is going to think, man, that's what gives me pleasure. But really, women don't like that. The, in the, you need to set the scene first. They need to be in the mood before that part, you know, before that kind of activity becomes a sexual, sensual activity. Otherwise, just seen as like I'm being abused almost in a, in a sense. Mm. Groping is animalistic, but caressing is what she needs. So there's a difference between those two. The whole body is there to be appreciated. Right. And so the other thing what you have to realize is that a lot of men, this is their complaint that she's not ready for it. She's always like, oh, I'm going to have to take a shower. I'm going to my hair is not going to dry. And th this is an excuse. I mean, you see memes about this as well. All right. And subhanAllah, the research shows that if you make them feel like, you know, if they enjoy the act with you. Right. Then they're going to want to do it. Now, if it's just your way and you're just satisfying yourself and the focus is not on the other person, then there's going to be a reluctance. I don't blame it. It's like, oh man, I have to do it again. <laughs> I have to go through mm. that again. If you make them enjoy it, right, really, and you focus on them, they will get ready. You know, they, they should be ready because why not? It's an enjoyable act for them as well. And, you know, men, it's just a win. It's a win for you. And likewise, women, it's a win for you, you know. Mm. You know, there's, it, it, it reminds me of uh, another important um, aspect of all of this you know like foreplay is one but even before the act in terms of preparation in terms of you know adorning yourself for your spouse I think that's where maybe a lot of men again women as well perhaps fall short on this where it's like you know I just come home from work and I haven't taken a shower I'm not smelling great I'm not looking great even and you know let's just get you know let's just get this done kind of thing so uh you know uh, you've spoken about this in your book as well is the importance of adorning yourself and actually making an effort for your spouse where okay after some time maybe it can become routine it can become okay it's the same thing again but should it really be like that should it be routine you know shouldn't you make an effort and invest into it so what are your thoughts on just like you know adorning yeah. oneself um, uh, uh, both the spouses adorning themselves that is important but I think if that becomes a routine then it it's kind of loses its fun I think as well mm. 
because anything that becomes routine loses value. If you're buying your wife flowers every week, the same old flowers as a gift, I mean, it's going to be like, come on, you know, like, what is that? True. So I think um, adorning yourself, I think everybody will figure their way. But I think every once in a while, there needs to be something different to change the scene. So I think adorning oneself, going out, and when I say men adorning themselves, we're not talking about putting makeup and all, all that kind of stuff. It's in a manly way to be more manly. Whereas for a woman, obviously adornment, I think the whole world knows about what a woman's adornment is. Um, so I think it needs to be done. There will be obviously routine situations. You can't always waste your time because there's just sometimes you don't have the time. Right? It's going to be salad time or you have to go to work or something like that and you're just into it. You're just woken up or something. So... Yes, but once in a while, you need to make a change of scene. I think that's mm -hmm. what it is. Make a change of scene, whether that means being by adorn. But yeah, you don't want to be in a state that you put somebody else off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you want to do it. That's like punishing someone, you think. Yeah, I think that's what I was more referring to. Sorry, in terms of just being prepared for it, you know, things like just smelling decent, um, you know, removing any unwanted hair and things like that. I think that is something that as much as possible, you should try. And because I think we always, as men, we always think, well, it's it's the woman's job to take care of themselves and be thing. And as men, we're just men, right? We just, you know, leave ourselves in whatever state. But there's that, uh, I think you mentioned in your book as well, Sheikh, about the, the famous statement from Ibn Abbas, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. about wanting, you know, him. him uh, I like to do uh, that for my wife as well, just exactly. like he does it. For exactly, me. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so these are all. Uh, I wanted to just come to, you know, uh, moving on to just some general etiquettes, um, bearing in mind when it comes to intimacy, you know, we've spoken a bit about foreplay, we've spoken a bit about adorning oneself. So what else should a man and woman keep in mind um, going forward, uh, you know, if, if they don't, if they aren't aware of these things, but whether it's Islamic guidelines or just general guidelines and principles to bear in mind? I think in terms of guidelines, um... The, the, we can I, I don't want to get into like small like is this allowed and is that allowed yeah. because there, there's a lot of that stuff uh, in there but I think the main guidelines is that we've got two things which is no um, uh, no uh, sodomy which is essentially no uh, no entry into the back passage or the uh, the, uh, uh, the anal passage and number two no entry even into the front passage when there's menstruation other than that, everything is allowed. Even in, even during menstruation, you know, th th uh, there's desires are still there, you know. And um, so the the woman's body and she can enjoy the husband, husband can enjoy her from the entire body except from navel to knee. Just that part. Well, with a cloth on. So even that part with a cloth on top, even that could be... Um, a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of women. The frustration they have is that my husband, like one person, called me and uh, not called me. There was a question we had in, at the end of one of our programs that I've just uh, had a child, meaning probably a few months ago, three, four months ago, and my husband wants it five times a, a week, right? So my first question was, Mashallah, what are you feeding him? Like Subhanallah, you know, Mashallah, <laughs> that's not bad, you know. Uh, what, what's going on here? So then another thing that uh, men and women that they should realize that sometimes the women are not in a mood, right? Try as you might. I mean, come on, people are human beings. These are human beings. You're not in the mood. You know, you, you take people to good restaurants or for a good fun activity, football, whatever, right? But sometimes they're just not in the mood. It's fine. It's understandable. And that's why you should respect that. Now, a woman should also understand that if I'm not in the mood, right? Because generally the demand is going to come from the husband. That's why I, I talk about the women, you know, um, 
you don't have to go the full way. You can tell your husband, look, I'm really not in the mood. I'm, I'm just, I've got a splitting headache or whatever the case is. But you can use your hands. You can use another part of your body to satisfy them. And there should be that openness and that respect that, okay, you know, if they're not in the mood, then yes, the hadith says that they should be ready even if they're at the cooker. That's understandable. That's in a normal circumstance. Of course, if they're sick or whatever, that doesn't mean that they must still go. No hadith says that. And so one has to be clear about that, that don't just demand this in that way, that they better be ready, whatever you want. And that's just my one right that I've always asked you for. Mm. And you don't give it to me. And then it just creates a problem. And the wife should just try to accommodate. Um, what one woman uh, said is that, um, really from experience, she said that, look, sometimes when it comes to women, they don't want to take the children to school in the morning. It's cold or whatever. But once you get wrapped up and then you go, it's fine afterwards. Men, you know, there's sometimes you don't want to go to work in the morning, but you just have to do it. So sometimes it may be a task. And that's fine to fulfill the other person because sometimes one of the spouses is really needs it because of some experience or whatever the case is, has been several days and the other person um, is going through some stress so they don't really need it. But just be selfless and at least fulfill the other person's right. You don't have to go the full way, but there's a lot of other ways. We have all of that permission to do that. Mm. So that that's something that that's another strategy. Yeah, I think that's a good good summary, actually, in terms of uh, kind of try, trying to be balanced here. So not, you know, going going to one extreme of like demanding and, you know, quoting hadith and, you know, threatening almost uh, the, the other. Um, but at the same time, not, you know, completely disengaging, but trying, you know, okay, there's going to be some times where you just both have to be understanding and say, it maybe it's not going to happen today, you know, we'll try again another time tomorrow, whatever. But then other times where, you know, you just, just try and, you know, fulfill that desire, try and, um, you know, please your spouse, just, and of course, I'm sure, you know, there's great reward in that as well, right? You know, just with that intention of pleasing the spouse, you will get a lot of reward and just keeping that in mind, inshallah, you know, with the correct intention, it's actually an act of worship in that sense. So, and I guess that that's where the beauty of our deen comes in. You do something the lawful way, like you mentioned, the hadith, there's great reward in that. You you do it with the intention of pleasing your spouse, there's great reward in that. And I guess that's, uh, you know, something that uh, many of us can can bear in mind going forward, as opposed to it just being an act and and that's it, moving on. So, um, yeah, th that, that that's... That's really important part. Is there any other etiquettes or guide, guidelines? Yeah, that's uh, so it's holistically looking. Um, even with men, sometimes they realize that if the woman has been on her menstruation and she's not had a fulfillment for a while, she's going to be ready soon. You may not feel in the mood of it because, you know, maybe you, sometimes, I mean, uh, when you have a lot of stress or whatever, you've got some project at work or something, people like they're not in the mood because their mind is somewhere else so that's fine think of it as a sadaqah it's a charity so when the prophet said it's a charity for men he was talking to men so that's why he said it to men it's a charity for women as well why isn't it a charity for her if she gives them the satisfaction so it's a charity for both of them so if a man sees that his wife is going to need it and she's mashallah caressing him or whatever the case is he may be busy but he needs to also show that you know I'm willing to overcome my stress and maybe I'm not interested in it, but I'm going to do it for you only. Mm -hmm. That would, that's a really powerful message um, 
That's a really powerful message to the woman. And I think the other thing that we probably need to cover here is being um, the uh, expectations that are not halal even. You know, because unfortunately a lot of people have learned some of this stuff through pornography, yeah. right? Or they are learning it from... And you get a lot of people complain that this is what my spouse, generally the man, is yeah. wants me to do this and he wants me to do that. And is it halal or is it haram? One has to, you know, if you're if you're into pornography or whatever, you should read the research up there as to what really happens. There's a lot of good writing that tells you what really goes on behind the scene. I, I had to do some research on this because I had to talk about pornography and what actually goes on behind the scene. It's not realistic. Yeah. They 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 just add a lot of different things. It's it's cut uh, bits of information that it shows like you know maybe the 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 guy can go on for this much or they add in other women or whatever the case is that they do. So that's not all realistic. And how does one come out of that? Because if somebody is years and years from maybe a teenager, that's what they've been seeing, and they just can't wait when they get a wife. You know maybe they're religious somewhat that have some taqwa in the sense that they've not gotten into haram relationship but when they've gotten properly married now they really want to go all the way and kind of immediately there are a lot of there are a lot of marriages that struggle with this uh, mm -hmm. i've had the case where he wants to do this he wants to do that and you know that it has to come from monography so how do you get out of that so there's a really beautiful dua right which is not just for this it's for so many things allahumma kfini bi halalika an haramik you know, maybe you can put this up on the screen, you know. Yeah. Whenever you have these desires that are unnatural, that are haram or whatever, right? Oh Allah, suffice me with the halal away from the haram. So give me the pleasure and satisfaction and sufficiency in what's halal away from the haram. And just make me independent of everybody besides you. This could work where a person is constantly looking at others, right? Not satisfied with their own wife or their own husband. So they're looking at others. This dua, inshallah, is very, very powerful. At the same time, there are some men or women. In fact, you'd be surprised. I mean, generally you think it's women who are like this. They're very prudish. Uh, they're very reserved, very restrictive. And they don't want to do even halal things. They're not willing to even go beyond kind of the missionary position as such. And in this day and age where there's just, subhanAllah, so many other things available, mm. whatever's halal, I always say to couples, whatever is halal, husband and wife, you should, you should be willing to do it. Whatever is halal, right? And if it's halal, you should do it for your spouse. Okay, haram, you completely avoid. There's one person who called uh, and her. they were going to divorce. She don't, didn't want to be with her husband anymore. Number of reasons, but one big reason is that he always wants it in the back passage. He says, that is only what gives me satisfaction, nothing else. I can't. That That's a that's a really bad one. I said, that is a no-go area. That's haram. You can't do that. There's, yeah. there's punishments or penalties mentioned for that. That's a no-go area. So she, she, mashallah, woman of taqwa, she just... We uh, she, she just didn't want to be in that marriage anymore, right? So, mm. uh, having you know, as I said, do everything that's allowed. You don't want to do haram, but but don't be too reserved either. Um, mm. Do everything dignified that's allowed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's the thing. That's I, think the thing I, think I think nowadays when we say you know you mentioned like pornography, but actually 
to be honest, uh, you know, one doesn't even need to watch pornography uh, to actually, uh, you know, get get a glimpse of these things. It's just unfortunately plastered all over. You're watching it's, a, it's, a normal mainstream. Yeah. Oh, exactly, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so you know, when people hear that, they might think, Astaghfirullah, I don't watch pornography. But actually, you watch uh, some of the television shows nowadays, and that is what they're showing. So you can't be surprised when, you know, when when when, when people are, their minds are polluted with these things. Um, so, no, definitely. I think um, there's there's one other principle I wanted to touch on, actually, Sheikh, which is um, nowadays, because especially because of social media, we have, our WhatsApp groups, Telegram, whatever, friend circles, and so on, uh, which is this principle of, you know, what happens in the bedroom basically stays in the bedroom because there's, there's a lot of pressure. You know, you're the first friend to get married in your circle. And then everyone's like, oh, so tell us, you know, this, tell us that. Uh, and there's this gossip thing that goes around, you know. There's almost like this pressure nowadays, like, okay, tell us then, you know, reveal secret, reveal those intimate secrets from your bedroom. Um, and, I, and I've actually seen this, and it's quite alarming, uh, in fact, where people feel pressure to share these details. So uh, if you could just just touch on this as well, like, you know, what's the importance of not actually sharing this? You know, yeah. you could, so, some people could just be like, why? Why would you want to share it for anyway? But it happens. That's the reality. Yeah, I guess we're living in a Facebook world where everything you do, you know, people have lost a sense of uh, barrier and taboo mm. and the private becomes public that that is completely haram i mean the, the prophet sallallahu didn't even leave that part alone the prophet sallallahu spoke about how blameworthy a person is who does whatever he does in the privacy of his own home and then goes and reveals it the next day it, it's just sad i mean remember there's another person here you're not just talking about your own kind of pursuit your own activity there's somebody else there as well so it's haram anyway it's wrong to do that anyway it's not something you explain public displays of affection in islam are not allowed i mean walking around kissing your wife in public is not allowed even probably hugging her unless it's a very kind of you know innocent hug and not a sexual hug you know even that in itself is problematic so to speak about intimate details is definitely a taboo you're violating your spouse's uh, privacy as well all right and that that is a sin in itself and that's something that really really needs to be avoided i uh, alhamdulillah i've never had to be in that part of in that kind of a conversation but i know it definitely happens because other people have mentioned it that there is a pressure upon them and yeah. you yeah. just you just have to have your barrier that's your barrier that's your limit you do not discuss that you just avoid the question and just carry on and um you know maybe you don't need those kind of friends if you if that's what's yeah. going to happen but it's True. wrong. It's you'll take the baraka and blessing out. Your your spouse will be, feel violated, right? Mm. Be yeah. careful. Actually, yeah. you know what? Really, be careful about your friends, right? If, especially the mischievous friends. They may be good friends of yours, but sometimes it can really wreck the first night. I had a case where it's a woman. She was told by her a friend of hers to give a certain gift to her husband. It was a box that they prepared. And it was some really, I can't remember now what it was. It was some really weird stuff. And she's very innocent. She thought, oh, okay, you know, she's a very, mashallah, innocent woman. And she goes and gives it to husband. He opens and he's unhappy. Right? right? Like, didn't you think about this? Like, couldn't you even think about it? And she did it, you know, in a very innocent way that, oh, it's a tradition. Oh, I don't know what the story is. Be careful about these things. Mm, yeah, it's you're right. It's, uh, uh, unfortunately, sometimes even friends can become, intrusive almost in that sense as well where 
they want to know and um it gets it get it get it gets a bit messy and uh, I completely understand what you're saying I think that's that's definitely a good piece of advice um so yeah that that is an, another important one which is basically what happens in the bedroom stays in the bedroom we don't share those uh, intimate details but apart from that I mean from what you've clarified again it's it's something that a lot of muslims may be thinking the younger muslims today it's like islam is restricts us you know it's no fun being a muslim okay you get married and that's that kind of thing you know you're you kind of, you know people make jokes about it that's it. you're married you're locked away now life's over and i think that is problematic because not only is it putting muslims off getting married in the first place but they almost feel like they're missing out on something you know once they are married and once they get involved they feel like oh, i'm missing out maybe it would have been more fun had i done x you know gone down this route or that route that yeah, is a problem it's all relative i think at the end of the day if you've surrounded yourself with haram and you've been engaging in haram then the the limits of islam are going to seem like they're encroaching on you that they're very restrictive because you don't have restrictions it's a relative idea and Islam is a religion for this world. This world is not the ultimate life. It's the life of the hereafter is the eventual infinite life. This is a testing ground. And I think if you forget that and you try to, you see, I think inherently um, humans are for paradise. We were created in paradise. Adam Islam was in paradise with Eve, Hawa And eventually we're going to end up in paradise, at least the good ones. So I think humans inherently love paradise. Now, Allah has told us that this paradise, this, subhanAllah, this world is not paradise for you, right? Mm -hmm. The hereafter is paradise. But then because humans are innately for paradise, I think they forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's a fitna for them. That's a temptation and challenge for them. They start making this world a paradise. I know we're going into a more of a meta issue. So then if you want just to have the pleasure of all of these, and sexual pleasure is actually a huge pleasure. And you don't feel that, uh, you know, you don't have any too many limits. Maybe, okay, I, you know, I'm not into homosexuality, maybe they say, but everything else is fine for me, right? Then obviously you're going to feel restricted. But subhanAllah, the pleasure that Allah has put into marriage, if you've got it right and you do it right, it will surpass all of those things. You won't feel left out. And that's why this dua that I mentioned earlier is very powerful in that regard. And Allah, give me that satisfaction through halal, through marriage. Yeah as opposed to something else. I guess there is another reason for that, which is that it's a bit of a taboo subject. It's the restriction of um, um, men wanting more than, you know, one. It's kind of like a natural feeling in men that they have and uh, yeah. the, the, the society doesn't allow it. And because of that, there's a lot of frustration that men have, right? But that yeah. doesn't mean that you can, co 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 you can do haram. That doesn't mean you can do haram. Of course, of course, yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm conscious of time, Sheikh. But before we conclude, was there was there anything else that you wanted to add, even if it's concluding comments on this issue? Which, you know, of course, it's it's very broad. We can speak about so many aspects here. Um, the main thing for us was to highlight its importance and its place in marriage in Islam as well. Uh, but was there anything else you wanted to add before we conclude, Inshallah? I, I think uh, just to complete a point that. I st we started at the beginning, which is that where do you learn about this stuff from? So I was saying that you don't learn about it necessarily from friends because they've had different experiences. So we need a lot more books, a lot more material, a lot more programs like this to have a sensible discussion about what's right and what's wrong. I mean, in the mainstream market, there's a lot of books, graphic details about what there, what's not. But what we do need is a lot more Muslim books. And mashallah, there is 
now a, a decent amount. In Arabic, there's a lot more, but they've not been translated and yeah. they're quite in depth. But in English, we need a lot more. Um, and I would say that, uh, you know, I do have a chapter of that in, in the Handbook of a Healthy Muslim Marriage. And then Mufti Muhammad uh, Al-Kawthari, he's published that etiquette of, a, of sexual intercourse. I yeah. think it's called the Red Book, right? Which yeah. complements our <laughs> blue book, right? Um, read those books. Uh, you know, check out podcasts like this. And I'm sure there's a lot of other good stuff out there as well. That's where you should be getting your nourishment. If you've got any doubt about it, then contact somebody, even if that's anonymously contact, uh, you know, uh, for, a, for a, an answer from a religious site or something. But yeah. don't yeah. suffer in silence. If you've got problems in your marriage, you'd rather deal with it sooner than later because that is really important. I mean, there was a, a sheikh of the past. I forget his name. Was it Ibn Khalil or... Um, uh, or one of the famous grammarians or hadith scholars or whatever, he says, sometimes I would get a mental block, right? You know, when you have a cloud and you just can't write mm. and you can't think. And he says, I would call one of my wives or whatever it was and, and I would have sexual intercourse. And then after that, asubbu sabban, which means that I would just pour out the knowledge. Sexual intercourse is very satisfying, right? It's a halal means. And it can release, uh, it's, it releases numerous chemicals, uh, the, um, uh, what do you call it, the various different happy love chemicals, satisfaction, mm. uh, gives you uh, oxytocin and dopamine, and all of that is released at that time. It's good for you, right? Mm. If you do it in the halal way, and Allah has designed it that way, it's a sadaqah. So may Allah yeah. allow us to make it a sadaqah and make it a means of improving the family life so that there's more stability in the home there's less aggravation frustration and mashallah we uh, we we do this in a healthy way and contribute to the community and may allah bless us with pious and righteous children I mean, I just wanted to just end by just reminding everyone uh, about the book the handbook of a healthy muslim marriage Sheikh, where, where can we get hold of uh, a copy of this book there's quite a few places, but I mean, you can get it from the publisher directly, whitethreadpress.com. Yeah. And uh, you can even get the red book on there as well together, right, uh, with this one. So that would be satisfying, inshallah. Inshallah. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh, once again for your time. I'm really glad that you know, we were able to have this conversation. I think, inshallah, it's a, it's a start of uh, definitely, not the start, but, you know, in terms of the online platforms that we have it's definitely good to have an open conversation and for our viewers and listeners we hope you inshallah enjoyed and uh, benefited uh, from this uh, do reach out if you have uh, any questions like the sheikh said and uh, thank you so much may allah bless you all that is all we have time for from myself shabir and from sheikh dr abdurrahman mangera uh, we'll see you another time inshallah take care of yourselves assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi